You guys look like you're, what the heck's going on in this place here? Yeah, some of you I talked about earlier, uh, I have to give you the, the straight scoop. It, it's been on me for a while. Many of you know I've had a calling, and uh, I've been thinking about it. Uh, Jan, I, I haven't told Arnie yet, but I've enlisted in the U.S. Army. Uh, I'm effectively resigning my post as a, as a pastor. I'm now private pastor. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. Come on. Come on. Uh, I can see the tabloids tonight uh, at 10, pastor impersonating an officer. Find out the straight scoop at Life Church. No, actually, we're in, a, we're in a series, we're in a launch, and I can't tell you exactly everything that I'm about to do or what I could be doing or up to, but I can tell you that it will be interesting. And it may bomb, no pun intended, but at least we'll have a little bit of fun. So I, I brought some of my paraphernalia here. I've got my survival pack. I've got some other little treats in here that I will unveil in just a second. But uh, I think it'd be a good idea to pull out my Bible, too, and my notes. So what in the world am I up to? Well, basic training is the name of our series, Boot Camp for Believers. And uh, in order to be a good journalist, as I used to be, uh, or at least I thought I was, uh, I had to get interviews with a soldier. So Pastor Mary's son-in-law, Jeremy Kellner, he is a chief warrant officer in the U.S. Army. So I called him up. And I said, tell me about basic training. Tell me about what he does. And he goes, oh, Ryan, it's brutal. And they, they literally deconstruct you. Everything that you thought you knew about how to live in life, they completely take you apart. So anything that has the word I in it, they deconstructed because they want to create the word team. And what's happening in that, in, that, in that basic training is he'll give an example. I mean, he will make drill sergeants will make you stand for hours in a place, and anything they tell you to do, if they tell you to to run around the in circles for, for 60 minutes, you do it. And, and people just, you know, the idea behind it is, is that your will is no longer valid here. Your will is now subservient to your commanding officer. And so how do I correlate this to uh, to life in Christianity. How in the world is this, how does this affect spiritual warfare, which is a topic that I'm going to be addressing today. But how many understand that the kingdom of God is an authority? It, it's under authority, that it's a, it, that it's an authority principle that's at work there. So we have a commanding officer. His name is Jesus, and he gives us our marching orders. And this is the blueprint. Now, what's interesting about the army is even down to the fatigues like this, uh, I was asking Jeremy about that. He said, it's all tactical. It's all strategic. For instance, back in Vietnam, if you noticed a lot of the war movies, they were all green, very uh, jungle green. But once they hit Desert Storm in the early 90s, they switched to these type of fatigues. In fact, he even said they're, they're contemplating another color scheme change as well. So uh, it, it, it's, it's the idea behind that is to be prepared for the, the enemy that you're going to face. What is also interesting is, is the way they gather enemy intel. I was asking them how they do that. How do you know your opponent? Because here's the thing. Your enemy is always studying, always strategizing, always finding your moment and point of weakness. So a lot of times these uh, military academies, they'll have war colleges. They'll, they'll go through scenarios. They'll, they'll take them through the paces. They'll, they'll give them just, anybody watch 24? Disaster scenarios like that where a critical choice is made and you have to, it's, you know, if, you know, and there's, there's life that's hanging in the balance. It, it's phenomenal what they go through to get them. But what is most important is, 
is following the orders of your commanding officer. Jeremy gave me uh, another example back in 2003. It was uh, after the Iraqi invasion, and there was a convoy of troops, uh, and they were in this vehicle, and the vehicle, in the vehicle, they were, they, they were trying to be, you know, sweep for IEDs. How many know what that is? Uh, those are explosive devices that are buried in the ground. Anyway, the commanding officer said this. He said, you do not get out of this truck. Now, there's about 30 to 40 people in these, in these, these trucks that, uh, that were going uh, in Baghdad or whatever, and what happened is this guy had to go to the restroom. He said, sir, I need to relieve myself. He said, sir, you relieve it in your pants. Now, think about that. I mean, how many of us want to do that? Okay. But he didn't follow orders, jumps out of the truck, gets out, steps on an IED, and everyone dies. And, and, and so what's your point, Ryan? Now, here's the point is, is that, and this is something that I really want to hit home today, is that no man is an island unto, unto himself. No woman is an island unto themselves. What you do will affect others. You cannot sit in a hole and be completely isolated and say it doesn't affect others because you know people. You have friends that need you, that need to be interconnected. And what I want to really hammer home, like a drill sergeant today, is that we are part of an army. We are part of a greater whole. And so part of the message is on spiritual warfare and how does that relate to connectivity? How does that relate to being engaged in an army? And again, as I studied this, I, I, the, the key things that I came out was, number one, we have to know our enemy's weaknesses. Do you know that your enemy, your spiritual enemies have weaknesses? And they know our weaknesses, so we need to go to school on how to defeat our opponents. So who are these opponents and Christ followers? You know, there's, it's so simple, it's, it's so basic, but yet even pastors struggle with this concept of spiritual warfare. I mean, it's simple, but yet there's ditches on both sides of what real spiritual warfare is. You have people that are casting out devils under every rock and crevice. You have another person over here that says the devil doesn't exist, it's just a concept. How many understand we have a real enemy? that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so part of my little graphic presentation is to kind of shake us up a little bit out of apathy and really see that there really is a battle going on and we really need to win. We really need to win. So I want to start with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. This is a, a text that many of you who are seasoned uh, Christians know, but I think it's one that we need to go over. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. So that's clearly not indicating that your neighbor, your friend, my wife, Daryl, Mary, we are not fighting each other, but do you know that precisely most of us, probably within a given week, we give Satan a face as our next door neighbor. They hurt me. But here's what you have to understand, and we're going to get to this point. There are two opponents that we face. One, spiritual forces in strong places. The other place is ourselves, our flesh. We fight ourselves. That's real spiritual warfare. So you have to know not only your opponent's weakness, that would be the demonic forces, you have to understand if you have a bent for alcoholism, you have to know your weakness. That was mine. To know your weakness and then to do warfare against it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. Now, you say, well, Ryan, wait a minute. 
didn't Jesus at the cross, didn't he win the war? Yes, he did. So why are people, why are you saying that we're in a battle? I mean, the Apostle Paul, keep in mind, wrote this text after Jesus resurrected from the dead, correct? In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul came along. So he's saying, he's saying, we're, we're wrestling. So I'm going to get, I'm taking you somewhere with this. So follow me on this, but we have to do something. So wait a minute. So you're saying if Jesus won the war, which he did, he conquered sin, sickness, death, and bought us back eternal life. Why are we always in battles, Ryan? Why are we in this battle, Ryan? Good question. So here's where it says in Colossians, didn't Jesus win the war? Colossians 2 says it like this. It says, verse 13, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed, say disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I have actually encountered the demonic realm. How many of you have encountered the demonic realm? Have you seen it in their eyes? I have seen it in their eyes. I've seen the slits in their eyes. I've felt the presence of darkness. And it really is real. There really is demonic warfare. I do believe in deliverance. I do believe in power deliverance. I believe that the Bible shows us. Didn't Jesus go around casting out demons? Did I read that somewhere in there? Uh, but what, what is interesting is when you do this in the flesh, you see what happens. Uh, if you study the seven sons of Siva, they said, well, we're going to cast them out in this thing with Paul's name. You know, what Paul did by, by his authority. You can't do that. Do you realize you have to rely on the authority that Jesus Christ gives to you, his spirit, personally? Now, here's one that might be a mind binder, is that people look at the pastor to be the deliverance guy. Do you realize that the same spirit, my job is not, is to, it's to equip you. It's to equip you to do that. So wait a minute. You're saying, if I come across the demonic realm, you mean I don't have to perform an exorcism with a priest or a, a pastor? You mean I can, I can just speak to that devil? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. In fact, part of basic training is to teach you some of these basic, simple principles because we've we've gone on rabbit trails this way and rabbit trails this way people are chasing devils left and right and there's no freedom in that your enemy's strategy is to distract you from living in the peace of jesus on the other hand it's to ignore that there is uh, there is incarnate pure evil out there that wants to take us out and so part of this whole series it's only two parts but part of it is to give you what I would call a very balanced approach to spiritual warfare and to whip us into shape to win this battle. So we don't fight people. We fight the spirit behind the people. And we also fight our flesh. We establish those two points. Now, in 2 Corinthians, turn to 2 Corinthians 10. We, we talked about Jesus winning the war, but why are we still battling? Here's the thing. Behind every lost battle we face is a lie that we believe. And where does that lie come from in our mind? Watch this, 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Say, take captive every thought. To make it obedient to Christ. So if you, if you have this thought that says, I'm worthless, how many understand that's a bad thought? That is not from the Lord. If you're married, 
and your spouse is telling you that you are a jerk, <laughs> you need to listen to that voice, but not necessarily the spirit what was said in love. You have to listen, but you don't have to take the fact that I am a jerk. Maybe I made a jerky decision. Do you make, does that make sense? But the enemy will take something your spouse or your friend will say and say, you're an idiot. No, you're not an idiot. You may have made an idiotic decision. Are you getting this? We are not idiots. We are the children of the living God. We are precious and dear in his sight. The enemy lie will tell you that you are less than and not more than a conqueror. And I'm here to tell you with graphic illustration that you have spiritual weapons to destroy your enemy. Very simple message. Very simple. In fact, I mean, I, the reason I call it basic training is because we've got to get back to the basics to win these wars. So we talked about 2 Corinthians that we are in a war of the minds. Now, our thought life is critical. Here's, here's the way, I, and I wrote this down, and maybe you should too. Inspiration and information and truth come from God. Let me repeat that. Inspiration, information, and truth come from God. Temptation and lies come from the flesh and the enemy. Temptation and lies come from the flesh and the enemy. My flesh says I need another drink. My flesh say, says I need to, to ditch my marriage and because that I want to trade it in for a newer model. I'm preaching really strong right now. Really strong because I want you to understand that this battle, you have two thoughts in every situation. There's a good thought and a bad thought. And if it's not a God thought, cast it out. How do you do that? Let me give you an, a tangible example. I'm walking down the street. I see an image. Guys, can we be real here? Ladies, can we be real here? If you're jogging down a street, and ladies, if you have something that resembles a, a piece of floss covering you, <laughs> oh, Jesus, I love my wife. I love my wife. Ladies, knock it off. But now here's the thing. Me seeing that, I didn't sin. The second look, not a good thing. The third look, not a good thing. But I have to take captive that thought. And you know what I do? This is practical 101 fundamental spiritual fighting here. Is that I will, I will see something like that and I'm going, oh, you know what I'll do? Man, I wonder about that Brewers game. Change the channel of your mind. You don't have to be super spiritual here to change the channel of your mind. If I see something that's not good, uh, I'll start thinking about daisies or something. Maybe I'm out on the lake fishing. I mean, practical. It, it, what you feed, what you meditate on, bam. It's like a dog. You feed that sucker, it grows. You don't feed it, it dies. Pretty simple, you know. Pretty simple. I don't know where the floss thing came from. That was for free. So, so our commanding officer, Jesus, <laughs> he's given us tools. He's given us his blood. If you read in Revelation, the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. There's something about an ex-drunk telling a story to somebody else, and it sets them free. Our testimony, the testimony of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's huge. And then we use his weapons. Now, he has armor, and that's what I want to go to next. Ephesians 6.13. Ephesians 6.13, reading out of the NIV version, says, therefore, put on. Say, put on. Does that imply that you can take it off? Let's camp on that. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, 
you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Well, I think that's pretty clear. If we can put armor on, we can take armor off, correct? Okay, now, I talked to Jeremy Kellner about the garb. He uh, he had really planned on sending me body armor, actual Kevlar, so that when I, like, you know, strip open, like, this stuff, it would have had the Kevlar. So can you play pretend like I have it on? Just visualize with me a little bit, okay? Uh, so... Uh, he, he, we talked a little bit about the armor. And so verse 14, it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Okay. I actually have a belt here. I'm going to take it off and imagine this thing holding up my drawers here. Now, is he really stripping? No, he's not. He's really not. He really is stripping. Are you serious? Oh, no. Well, what happens when we start taking our armor off here? Uh, these really are, these are gym shorts. I just want you to know that, okay? There goes my belt. My belt's over here. Now, stand firm then with the belt of truth. Are we getting photos of this? We need to capture this. I just came from the restroom. <laughs> no. <laughs> Graphic illustrations to hammer home the point. So stand firm with the belt of truth around your waist. Well, I've just gotten rid of the belt of truth. The belt of truth is symbolic of the Bible. The Bible. And so if we have reasonings that say, well, maybe Noah's Ark didn't happen. Maybe creation was evolution. When we start entertaining man's thoughts, we go down the dark path. There is one source of inspiration, one source of inspiration, and that is the Bible that is from the Lord. Now, the breastplate of righteousness in place, play pretend like I took off my Kevlar, because that is righteousness let me let me expound on this i know i feel weird too i know you this looks weird just bear with me okay i have a point um so condemnation kills how many know that okay righteousness means you're in right standing so you mean to tell me ryan if i go out here and yell at hope and get into a big fight because we never do that and i get hit by a bus what happens where do i go now, let's camp on that. Now, think about it. If I have a relationship with you, that what it means is that there's no condemnation means no condemnation. That means that I am his blood bought. No sin can separate me from the love of Jesus. Hello? Now, I go out and I, and I make a mistake. What's our tendency first, the breastplate of righteousness? I know I look silly. Keep, keep bearing with me. What happens when we, when we entertain condemnation? Do we go closer to God or from God? We run. But what the Bible says is that when you make a mistake, we need to run to God. But let's say we take that off. So now we're down to our armors off. So I'm taking this stuff off now. Got to take off my hat too. Play pretend like this was a helmet of salvation, which you're going to get to, because I wanted the actual helmet. And I know I have a little indent there, but we'll get over it. The breastplate of righteousness in place. Okay, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This is something my wife talked about last week. Now, notice these insoles here. Notice these little, do you see these little things here? I can't believe I went to Life Church and the pastor stripped before my very eyes. What kind of place is this? This place is wacky. All right, I'm taking this thing off here. Now, what I found out from Jeremy is when they're in Iraq, uh, these, these are designed to run through sand, okay? And it gets a really good grip. Can you guys see that back there? I'm getting up here in just a second. So when they run through the sand, they need that gripping. If they don't, do you like my socks and the hole there in it? You know, I realized that when I put them on. How embarrassing, huh? 
my pastor stripping. He has holy socks. Now he's taking his feet off. They smell socks smell. What is this? All right. So now I'm I'm down to my skivvies. I promise I won't go any farther. I promise. Okay. All right. Amen. Okay. Let me put my uh, microphone back here. Uh, boy, I've lost some train of thought there. Anyway, so so the gospel of peace. Shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. My wife talked about it last week. Is that you have to be tenacious. Say tenacious for your peace. That means when all hell's coming against you, you stand in that peace. And by the way, if you haven't heard it, you need to hear her message last week. It was phenomenal. And I can brag, honey. I'm sorry. You were just awesome. So uh, listen to that message because the, the peace that we need to stand in, because you know what? We don't always feel peaceful. Bottom line, we don't always feel peaceful. Now, the helmet of salvation, as I said, I didn't have the actual helmet, but I do have something that I think illustrates, uh, and I want to talk about the shield of faith too, because in verse 16 it says, in addition to this, yes, this is a grenade, and it's real. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. When the enemy bombs you with accusations, yes, I don't know how to pull the pin out. It is a real grenade. It's not live. Don't run. Here, Daryl, catch. See, it's fine. You were like, oh, no. <laughs> but the, the enemy throws grenades at us all the time, and we have to put up our shield of faith. Faith means I'm standing firm no matter what life circumstances come against me. No matter how my finances feel today, I will stand on the truth of God's word. That he loves me, he cares for me, he'll provide for me, he'll take away my sickness and my disease. I don't care if my body is feeling like garbage. Are you guys getting this? We have to stand with their shield of faith. I wish to actually had that shield shield, but back in the Roman times, those shields would actually extinguish the darts into the leather. They were leather, and they, the, the shield would actually extinguish the fiery darts. Beautiful picture there of spiritual warfare. Now, uh, I talked about the helmet of salvation. We take that. That is precisely what we need to understand when I was talking about condemnation and, and, knowing, and, and knowing who we are in Christ. Now, this little thing, Play like this is the sword of the spirit. That's very sharp. You guys see that back there? This thing has a compass in it. It has, uh, talking to, to Jeremy a little bit about it, he can literally survive with this thing. He can hunt with it. He can put fishing line around this. He can use it as a compass, as I said. A couple other things I want. he wrote down for me, too. I was sweating in that, by the way. Um, a couple other things that he told me about the sword um, well, but you get the picture, but what this is, this is an offensive weapon. This is what we take to the enemy when we're in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And when you're in a fight, we need offensive weapons. Now, we talked about the, the belt of truth, which is the Bible. This, play like this is your words, speaking the word of God into the battle. So when you say, and the enemy lies to you and says, you're worthless, you say, nope, Jesus says, I'm more than a conqueror. End of story. Now you've taken him and you've taken your opponent out. And you know what? Sometimes if you're feeling a little wacky, I mean, it may, I've had days where I could stand right in that mirror and say, you are somebody even though you feel like garbage. Now, a lot of people will tell you positive self-talk is good. Do you realize that we believe our voice more than anybody else's? So when you're actually speaking the word of God, physically speaking it as a sword, do you realize you're saying what Jesus said? When you say that, your ears are believing what you said because you said it? 
Psychologists know this to be true. And so how much more powerful with the word of God to change circumstances that surround us? The subtlety of apathy. The subtlety of apathy. You know, with, with intel that, that, I mean, imagine. And I just want to paint this picture. Pastor Mary is going to come up in just a second here. I want to picture you being in Afghanistan, Libya, Baghdad. I want to picture you. Now, you're dressed like me. All my gear, my survival gear, even my water, it's all there. And I'm going to walk down the streets of Baghdad or Libya, kind of like this. I'm an American soldier that doesn't have any garb on. And I really think that the enemy isn't going to target me. Are you guys getting this? When we don't put on our armor, when we don't stand in the armor and stand with the weapons that God gives us, we are open season for attack. Here's the point. Lone Rangers make for great movies. They make lousy Christians. No man is an island unto himself. No man. What I love about army I asked Jeremy about this. You have platoons, you have divisions, you have uh, a core, you have, I mean, just starts with a team of three or four people. Then you have a platoon and, and on down the line. And, and, and if one doesn't do their job, it affects the other. The church today needs to understand we need to get connected. Now, part of my approach to this in spiritual warfare is getting connected. Why is group link so important? Why is just, even even if you don't sign up for the life groups, which you really should, but even if you don't, find three or four people you like here, contact them, talk to them, do life together with them, because it's vastly important, because Lone Rangers don't make it. I promise you, if you come here for six months and you don't get engaged in, in some sort of, with some other believer, or if you don't give or you don't serve, you will hate this church in six months. You will not be back. Now, that's pretty strong, but the statistics show that. So now that's why I'm passionate about that. I understand we need to be together. Now, when I say six months, you can show up to church, but and you may come for a year. But if you don't cross that threshold of, oh, no, you know, that's a little scary for me. You know, I've got my brother's back. It's a band of brothers. And when the chips are down, I'll be there. But if you're a lone ranger, who's there? You get this? Okay, Pastor Mary. I think it's on. Oh, it's here. You got it? Yeah, I got it. You got it. I think we ought to give Pastor Ryan a round of applause for a great picture here. <laughs> yeah. He'll go get some help from the body. Um, I wanted to, to just follow up with what he's saying a little bit. Um, you know, this, this thing really looks like, as well, like, God has created for us that whole amazing armor that we can have. And yet some of us don't put it on. And what is that about? And why do we not put on a sense of community? Well, we don't because of, of I'm going to just tell you a little story. I have a three-year-old granddaughter. And she decided a couple weeks ago to say to me, uh, Grandma, Mary, we have to talk. And she sat down with all the authority she could muster, and she said, You are not the boss of me. <laughs> and 
And Grandpa Daryl, he's not the boss of me either. She said, I, I am the boss of me. I am the boss of me. And I thought, wow, if that isn't a story as old as time, um, didn't Eve sit in the garden and say, I know better. I know better. I can eat that of that tree. I, I know better than God. I know what's best for me. And that's kind of what we do. And that right away creates that spirit of independence. We can do it. And our world around us says, be independent. Be independent. Um, so we, we have to resist that. We have to come out of that. I can't help but think how, uh, you know, Jesus bought us back from that independence, that sin of self uh, motivation. And he created that relationship with us that God intended all along. Adam and Eve could walk and talk in the garden and have that great relationship. And once we come to Christ, it's like that. God enjoys his family. He wants us to be together so that we can grow strong and we can impact a lost and dying world. We're really made to be interdependent. We're not made to have to stand out there on our own and slug it out against the forces of life. So the church is designed by God that we would come together and strengthen one another and go out and impact our cities and our neighborhoods, our workplaces with the love of Jesus Christ. I can't help but think, would uh, SEAL Team 6 has been as effective. Like he said, he had all the armor, but there he was out there solo. They couldn't have done it alone. They practiced, they focused, they were in intense training day and night and day and night. And it's said that they even practiced all of the things that could go wrong. They practiced it. They stayed focused on their mission. We have a mission to win the lost with our lives. Um, they did it in 38 minutes. They captured, they killed, and they even took care of a helicopter that crashed in 38 minutes and they were out of there. They were well-trained. They were ready for the battle. We need to be equipped and ready for that same battle of winning the lost in Northeast Wisconsin. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching.